Welcome, everybody, to the Fine Flow Podcast. I'm your host, Sean McDermott. Uh, today's guest is Dan Grady from ServiceNow. So, Dan, I'm going to give you a short bio on you, but we're going to put all your LinkedIn everything into the um, into the show notes. So, Dan is a product manager for the in-platform process mining at ServiceNow. Dan has over 25 years of experience, primarily in AI, ML, and analytics, working for ServiceNow for the past six years and information builders for 17 years before that. That's like a lifetime, Dan. Um, we'll put Dan's bio in the show notes below, as I said, and we can just jump right into conversation. So welcome to the podcast, Dan. No, thanks for having me. I'm excited, excited to be here today. It's going to be great. Yeah, I think uh, I think this is going to be an interesting, interesting one. So uh, you have a wide range of experiences, but on this podcast, we really focus in on IT service reliability. You know, and one of the big say, sayings, you know, in our space is people, process, and technology, right? Kind of the three three uh, legs of the stool. So um, today we're going to really focus in on process. And, you know, so one of your areas is process mining. Uh, can you give our audience some idea what process mining actually is? Yeah, yeah, it's interesting. It's, uh, it's a hot topic. Um, but it's also very new for, for a lot of folks. I'm finding it's a very new muscle for a lot of um, more traditional ServiceNow customers that I, that I speak to. And essentially what process mining is, it's the ability to x-ray your business processes and show you what's really happening uh, behind them. So if, if you think about it with, with anything we do, whether it be uh, a, a podcast like this or designing a business process, you You've got like a, a design, like a desired plan in your head for how everything is going to play out. And when you design things, you're designing for both completeness and efficiency to provide the best experience for as many people as possible are going to be interacting with that. You know, un unfortunately, what we what we design isn't what always plays out, right? You, work goes in different places and takes different routes to get to closure and all those different variations um, kind of hinder the experience that people have inside of an organization or outside of an organization when they're interacting with that process. Uh, it hasn't always been easy to, to see that reality of what's going on. That's what process mining does. It kind of uses the data behind those workflows. It extracts it, it then visualizes to show you a visual process map and where all the inefficiencies and non-conforming activities are within your business processes and then kind of highlights where and how you can get better. So that's kind of interesting. So, so you basically build some type of process, like you said, it doesn't really matter what it is. Um, ServiceNow is running this, maybe running this process a thousand times a day, right? Or something like that. Yeah. Um, I mean, let's take it, for example, a, a, like a service request, right? Some kind of service request workflow. Uh, if you have a very, very large enterprise, I mean, that could be running hundreds, you know, thousands of times a day. Um, and ServiceNow is in a unique position because it's it's actually tracking that process from the beginning all the way through every single approval. So process mining in the ServiceNow space is you kind of inherently have that data, right? So it allows you to kind of skip one big step, which kind of leads to my next question, right? And that is, I would think that in traditional 
process mining, right? And I don't know how how new this term is. Did ServiceNow come up with this term? Because I'm not particularly. No, no. Familiar. Process mining is probably it's been around for at least 10, 10 years. Oh. I would say it was it was kind of uh, it's a concept that was is more prevalent uh, over in in Europe and in EMEA. Um, it's been but like if you talk to somebody who's in in kind of in the European countries. They might be a little bit more familiar with process mining than we have been in the States, but it's been around for at least 10 years now, a little bit more. Okay. Well, I'm not going to feel too bad about that. Yeah. Orlando, pretty <laughs> yeah. far away from Europe. And I live in the bubble of Orlando. But um, I, I think that the idea of, of process optimization, right, has been around for a long time, right? Is how do we make our processes more efficient, right? And, and it seems to me that that's a pretty manual process, probably takes a long time and it's probably expensive, right? Cause you're bringing in, you know, consultants most likely to do that. So, you know, how are, in your experience, right? Of people who, I assume that you deal with a lot of uh, companies that already have service now, right? Yeah. Um, but before you kind of step into the conversation, so this is kind of a two-parter. So before you step into the conversation and like the first meeting you have with them, how do people, how are people optimizing their process right now? What do you see as kind of the general way it's being done today before you say, hey, we have a better way of doing this? Yeah, it's a great question. So, and you, you touched on two, two aspects of it. First is that traditional way to think about continual improvement or improving your processes. And like you said, it's very time consuming, manual and costly because you, First thing that people do usually is they run a whole bunch of reports. And for some reason, they still feel the need to print these reports out and go through line, line, line with a highlighter, even though they've got dashboards and stuff, but they want to print them out. Um, and then it often involves holding in-person or virtual workshops where you, you know, you take a whole bunch of sticky notes and you, you put them up on a wall. Um, and then of course you have to take a picture of those sticky notes on the wall because did work really happen unless we take a picture of sticky notes on a wall and post it on, let's say LinkedIn or something um, or some internal site. Then, like you said, it sometimes involves bringing in third parties to help you go through all that information and come up with a, an optimal path forward. And then after you do all of that, right, you come up with a way forward, you still have to get approval internally on, hey, yes, this is the change that we're going to make and then take it. Like just saying that is exhausting to me and, and the, the, it's time, very time consuming. And if you think about the speed in which most organizations are being asked to adapt and change these days, by the time you go all through that and you come up with a, a move forward plan, the, the best plan path, path forward may have already changed, right? And, and that's where kind of using the data side of this comes into play is because because we're using the data, um, we can, ex process mining can accelerate that process essentially because it, it streamlines the path to showing you what's actually going on already um, and sh starting to tell you what actions you should be taking to improve that process. It just accelerates all of that. Now, the second part of your question is, cool, what does, you know, what advantages does ServiceNow have versus a more traditional uh, approach to, to process mining? And it is all about that data access and availability that we have. That gives us a significant leg up um, compared to, let's say, the more traditional approaches to process mining because it's like a, a level of understanding. One, we, un we have access to the data already because it's flowing through our platform. Two, we understand how that data is captured and stored I mean, what that understanding allows us to do is build a solution that's really efficient at gathering the, the right data uh, to visualize and show you some of the things. That understanding gives us the ability to give our customers 
um, some content out of the box that jumpstarts their analytics journey. So like, for example, for things like incident, problem, change, HR case and lifecycle event, and I know we're talking about reliability here, but those IT workflows, we can give them content that says, hey, we understand these types of workflows. Here's here's some opportunities. Like here's a, you've got 32% of your cases that are going through multiple hops. Is that an area you should be focusing on? Or we've got a whole bunch of these that are being reopened. Do you want to focus on those? And it just calls those out right up front. And then the last piece of understanding is uh, that we have is our customers already understand how to use the platform and create a process map very quickly. Um, so I used to like to say, if you can build a report on the ServiceNow platform, you can visualize your process, which is not the same everywhere else. Like you, you typically have to have people that are data scientist level type people to access the data that they need from these various systems in the organization, massage the data and put it into a format to then feed into that process mining tool before you get to any insights. That that could take weeks with the, the, the data access and preparation phases of a, a process mining project with a, a third party tool could take weeks, whereas with us, it takes minutes. And then you're already on to that next phase, which is analyzing the data and, and making the improvements. Yeah, I mean, that's super powerful. I can totally see that because I, I, I mean, I've done a lot of process optimization projects over the last 30 years. And I think you described the vast majority of the process, right? <laughs> and how do you get the data? And, and one of the hardest things is like, where do you get the data from, right? And, and then you have to kind of get data at every single point along that process, right? Because you can't just say, uh, well, we got data at the end and we got some results. It's, you got to see all the parts in the middle so you can see where things are breaking down or taking too long, or this is a process that, you know, requires five levels of approval. So therefore it takes, you know, 45 days to get done when it really doesn't need that. So let's knock it down to two levels of approval if it's under a certain amount, and then we can get this thing, you know, approved in a day. Right. That's so the piece that makes that, a lot of sense. Yeah. I was going to say that's, you, you kind of, you, you, you hit on a, a popular topic or a hot topic or just a, an area which I'm having conversations is like you, when you go in and you start talking about process mining with them and you start explaining the potential opportunities there. Um, sometimes you get like, well, Dan, we, we already have dashboards that are giving us insights in terms of how our processes are running. And, you know, of course you do. We all should. If you don't, something you should look into. Right. Um, but yeah. what, what those dashboards historically have done is they answer very important questions like how many tickets did we work? What type of sure. tickets were they? Oh, um, you know, how long did it take for us to close those tickets? And are we meeting our targets? All very important information. Uh, but one of the things that happens, and I've been doing this as you, you so politely called out at the beginning a long time. One of the, one of the things that I've learned. Actually, I said a I, lifetime. So. Yeah, a lifetime. <laughs> 17 years at one company nowadays yeah. feels like a lifetime. So. <laughs> yes. One of the things I've learned in doing analytics for a long time is that information tends to be one of the most addictive and contagious things that's out there. So like you give an executive or a leader a dashboard and you show them these things. And the first thing that happens is this. They start asking follow-up questions. Well, why are my resolution times trending in that direction? Why are my CSAT scores going that way? And historically, those follow-up why questions have been really challenging for people to answer. Process mining helps us answer all of those why behind the KPI type questions. So things like, where is the process stuck? 
where are we doing two levels of approvals? There's one that I've been asked over the years a thousand times, so much so that I've given it a name. I like to call it the finger pointing report. Who's holding on to the tickets the longest? We need to know who's holding on to the tickets the longest. Or if you're a more glass half full person, you call that the opportunity to improve report. Or, hey, where are things going to on hold? Or which vendors are speeding us up and which vendors are slowing us down? All of those types of questions are where process mining can process mining can answer for us, whereas traditional analytics have really struggled in that area. So huge advantage now with process mining to follow up those KPIs. It's a nice relationship between the two to show us kind of how we're trending. And then when we're not trending in the right direction, use process mining to dig a little bit deeper and help us figure out how to reverse that trend or increase our momentum in the direction that we want to go. Yeah, I mean, it makes sense, right? It makes so much sense. I mean, one of the things that I've said for decades is, you know, every report you create creates five more questions, right? And um, because the devil's in the details, right? And, you know, you know, it's interesting because I, I was just inside my my company today talking about sales and and you can talk about, you know, deals closed, opportunities lost, you know, time, time opportunities and in, in cycle. And those are all good metrics because what they do is they give you areas to say, okay, this is an area we need to improve in, but you got to get into the details, right? You got to get into details and say, okay, if you've got deals hanging inside the sales pipeline for, you know, a hundred days, that's too long. Let's get it down to 60. You got to break into that process and understand what exactly is happening. Where are the bottlenecks? Where, where are things taking a long time and how can we, change that right because you you only change the metric through action right exactly that's another thing i I told a lot of my customers is we can collect so many metrics out there um but if they're not actionable if you're never going to take action against them they're just it's just a waste right it's not worth spending your time (laughs) on so let's find actionable metrics but what are the four or five knobs of your business that that when you turn them, they make a dip, they make a big deal. Like the needle moves a lot. I'm not interested in a tiny knob over here that you turn and just makes the needle just kind of bump a little bit. It's what are the three or four key metrics that you need to measure? And then you got to dig into each one of them. That's where the work comes, right? It's a fair amount of work to get all that data to create that KPI. But once you have that KPI lower, you know, making a change on that KPI was substantial or the substantial Delta. I mean, there's a lot of work in there and you got to dig into it. You got to dig into the process. And, and this makes a ton of sense for me. You, you actually touched on another advantage customers get by using an in-platform approach to process mining. Because if you, if you think about the, let's say, um, phases or stages that go into improving a process, there's really four, and you can use different names to describe them, but I use detect, analyze, improve, and monitor, right? So... Um, ServiceNow is in a unique position that the customer can do all four of those on the platform itself. So if you think about the detect phase, you mentioned you might have KPIs that, on the platform that have targets that you know or th- or might hit or a threshold that will say, hey, something's not going the way that we hope. Or maybe you've got some notifications on some SLAs within the process. There's a, there's a bunch of different ways on the platform to detect that something's not going according to plan and that something's going bump into the night. Then you need to move to the analyze phase, which is figuring out why that is happening. And that's where process optimization comes in with things like visualized process maps, bottleneck, variation, root cause analysis, and something we call automation discovery, which is a machine learning based solution packaged up with process optimization that highlights automation opportunities. So helps you identify where 
things are going wrong and how to, to improve. And then you move into the improve phase, which so many things on the platform you can use. The platform's all about improving your workflows. Well, let's say process optimization identifies a, um, an intake challenge where we can improve an intake experience to get better quality data from the, the employee or the customer. We can use the virtual agent to improve that intake experience. Maybe process optimization identifies that multi-hop issue um, and we can use predictive intelligence to automate the process of getting things or tickets to the right place more quickly or on the first time. Maybe process optimization identifies a part of the workflow that there's a manual step or we're swivel chairing and we can use automation engine or RPA to automate the process of gathering the data from that third party system to make the move forward, uh, improve the way the workflow moves forward. Or maybe, and this is a crazy one, that uh, happens more often than not. Um, maybe process optimization highlights an inefficiency that is a human thing that we should just stop doing, right? It's, uh, I had one customer, we talked about approvals already. One customer told me they have two levels of approval on a request for printer toner. And that second level of approval is adding three days to the closure time. Do we really need two levels of approval? Let's just eliminate that second level of approval. And now we got three days back um, mm -hmm. type of thing. So all these different ways to improve. And then the last phase is monitor. So um, this is where things like uh, continual improvement management uh, or automation center come into play where too often in, in the world, you know, you do an analytics science project and somebody finds a really cool insight. They go tell their friend at lunch and that's where the insight dies. But you need to have mechanisms to capture these insights, track them, prioritize them, ensure that they get followed up on. And that's where continual improvement management and uh, automation center come in. And then once you make the improvements, you want to tell everybody all the awesomeness that you've done. Um, you need to use performance analytics again and those metrics to start communicating, hey, here's the impact that these improvements made. All four, all four phases on a single platform, that's unheard of, right? If you think about it, you were asking earlier about, hey, traditional process mining, they live in that analyze phase, right? And mm -hmm. you need to have, if you want to do continual improvement um, on a regular basis and make it part of your routine rather than just a science project, like too often these process mining things become science yeah. projects. And my, you know, if I think about my kids' most recent science project, it's in the basement or we threw it out, right? Like this is something that needs to be, process optimization is something you want to do on an ongoing basis. Having all four phases in a single platform helps our customers make sure that this becomes something that's a repeatable process in the organization. So you, so you bring up a really good point. And, and one of the things, complaints that we get as a consultant and have for decades, and I don't, we're not the only ones, is customers feel like they need to pay for things over and over again. So come in, do an assessment um, on something, you know, if it's a process optimization or a tools assessment or something like that. And I'm going to have to continue to do these assessments every, periodically over time, maybe every year, maybe every quarter. And that gets super expensive, right? Because you get, you spend so much time that, that, that is the monitor phase of the manual world, right? Because the only way to monitor is basically bring that consultant back in and be like, okay, we're going to do the exact same thing we did 12 months ago. We're going to go through these processes and try and figure out how do we optimize them. Um, the other thing that you bring up that I think is super interesting is this idea of, of additional integration. So I'm an automation guy, right? And I'm an automation integration guy. That's kind of where I live in, in my passion. And I'm a big believer in building an integrated ecosystem with all these systems out there. And the reality is, is that in a service reliability space, you may have our customers typically have 50 to 100 plus tools 
managing their entire environment, you know, and ServiceNow a lot of times is in the center of that solar system and everybody's kind of orbiting around, but you've got to create connections out to all these systems. And this is a really good opportunity to highlight with customers, like, you know what, this process right here, like you said, is a swivel chair process. It's getting blocked up and taking a long time this phase, because when we sat down with the people who worked that phase, they're like, well, I've got to log into two or three different systems, grab that information out. Takes me, you know, 10 minutes to do that. And in order to do that, then other ones are stacking up and I just go one by one through it. And it takes, you know, a certain amount of time. So the ability to say, let's build an integration, create some improvement by building that integration, bringing the data in, updating the workflow so that uh, you can almost even bypass that manual process right there or allow them to, you know, validate the information, click and say, okay, it's all validated and it moves to the next stage. That's that I think is huge, right? Because so cool. It's really all about to me. It's all about end to end automation, right? And um, there's a lot of task based automation out there. So I, I wrote a script to do this. I wrote a script to do that. But the real value is when you sit down and look at that full process, that full end to end process and say, okay, how do we automate the whole thing? And sometimes you start by automating pieces, right? But then you got to go back in, you got to start going in and say, okay, where are the, what's, what's the next opportunity for automation? And over time, that, that process is going to mature to the point where it might be fully automated or pretty close to fully automated. And then you're kind of cooking with gas, right? So yeah. uh, having access. The, I was go gonna ahead. say that you're spot on the, the piece, the, the best part of this is so those longer running workflows that you were talking about, or those end-to-end -end ones, um, there's probably five to 10 different opportunities inside of that one workflow yeah. to improve it. What process mining and process optimization will do is will help you give you the data you need to prioritize where to start, which one of those five to 10 is where you should start with, because you're seeing the different hops and you're yeah. seeing that this one on average takes five days, this one on average takes 10 days, this one on average takes 20 minutes. But it, that having that additional data and context helps you understand where to start and how to prioritize starting to get better. It's, yeah, it's really powerful. Yeah, so so it's interesting. We have this program called Auto Launch, and Auto Launch is really all about automation. And what I tell people is is that when you go into an IT organization, you're thinking about like your service reliability strategy and how to automate. The reality is, is that your customers, our customers, they kind of know where the diamonds are, right? So I said, my job is for you, I'm gonna stand on like a platform looking out over this giant field and you're gonna kind of point to me where you think the diamonds are because they do this every single day. They got a general idea. And then you go out. So our job is to go out and dig, dig, dig till we find a diamond, you know, look at it, assess it, and basically say, yeah, this is a really good rock. Or sometimes we pick it up and go, uh, it's a diamond, but it's not that big. There's another one over here that we have is much bigger. So we're diamond hunters and we can find a lot of diamonds and not every diamond is equal, right? Not every diamond require, you know, returns the same value. It may be the same size, but one is more clear than the other, right? And it's more valuable. So you're going to prioritize all this stuff. And I think this is a really good way of doing that. Like you said, of, you know, it, you know, becomes like an automated diamond hunter. Tell me in this process where they are help me understand the impact of each one of these, these areas of improvement and let's go fix that one. And yeah. this might be low hanging fruit that we can fix really, really quickly and take off, you know, 10% of the process. 
This one over here might require integrating into another system. And that system is a legacy system. There's going to be more coding around it. It has a lot of value in doing that, but it's also a fair amount of effort. And we don't have the resources to do that. So we're going to do some low hanging fruit or you do the opposite and you say, look, this all low hanging fruit is kind of interesting, but man, if we solve that problem, you know, we knock off 40% of this, you know, process, this workflow time. So I love that. Super analogy. interesting. I love so, that analogy. So, there's one, there's the, I, uh, just because it, your analogy of kind of the diamond hunting, but customers understanding where their inefficiencies are, um, there's a part of the solution that's designed just for that. So I remember I mentioned earlier, those, uh, the content we provide. So let's say we'll take incident out of the box. We provide like 13 to 15 insights cards for incident, just common inefficiencies. Like I said, multi-hop things going directly to closed things that are mm -hmm. taking longer than 12 hours to go to work in progress. But these cards or these insights cards, we give you some, but customers have the ability to create their own. And like you said, most customers, if you asked a process owner what their common inefficiency, they can give you two or three right of that. And then we can create these cards for their inefficiency. So when they run a mining, those cards show up and say, hey, 42% of your tickets met that criteria or that thing. Mm -hmm. And it validates their hypothesis, but it also gives them a head start on their analysis. I always compare it to when I was a kid playing hide and seek. When I was playing hide and seek at home, I had a home field advantage when my friends came over. Like I knew the two or three best hiding spots. So when I was it, I was able to find them much more quickly. Same thing is true here, right? Like the, the customer is going to know their inefficiencies. We can create these insights cards based on their knowledge. And then when we run a mining, we'll shine a light on where those inefficiencies are and how big an impact that they're making. And then over time, they can start to see once they make some changes, how often those, you know, the, the data around those inefficiencies that they highlighted, if it's improving or if it's getting worse, or they have a new non-conforming activity within a process. So it's, it helps yeah. with that diamond hunting. Yeah. Super interesting. All right. So let's, let's dig in a little bit, right? Let's talk about a specific example. So, I mean, again, so we talk a lot here about service reliability, right? And, you know, what I tell like my clients is Digital transformation is really, it's dependent upon innovation and reliability. And um, I'm not going to make your definition of digital transformation. Every customer, every client has their own, right? There might be a mobile first, cloud first, whatever, it doesn't matter. But you have to innovate and that innovation has to be reliable, right? Because if, it's, if you're not innovating, you're just keeping the lights on with legacy stuff, right? If yeah. you're innovating, those innovations have to be reliable and available to everybody or else, you know, you just kind of, you know, spinning your wheels. So we focus on the reliability side on, and, and we talk about that here. So um, there's a lot of processes around reliability, right? Incident, problem, change, knowledge, um, uh, asset management, discovery, things like that. So what's like, let's kind of dig into a use case. Like let's talk about a, a real example that you worked on that I think could really highlight to our listeners, like, the power of what you're trying to do. Yeah, sure. I mean, so change is a good one, right? Analyzing the change process, always looking to speed, uh, increase the speed of the change process is a good one. So anytime you turn process optimization on the change process, you're identifying um, those approvals, right? Long run approvals are definitely a big part of, of slowing some of those things down. And do we really need- Yeah, I mean, how many people need to approve a change? Exactly. That, I mean, I've seen some organizations where they can't make changes for two or three weeks just because they got just to get in part of they got to get in part of a approval board and the approval board literally is an hour and they they approve 
500 changes in and i'm like what's the point of that you can't there's no reason they could look at them all right or no yeah. way that they could look at them all so there's that that's that changes one all the time and then you know what's funny is you've got i've actually seen um customers that i i look at i see a lot of maps it's uh i actually i don't know if you know the movie jurassic park um but i, I tell customers like it, the, the guy from jurassic park like he liked to be there every time a new dinosaur was was hatched I love mm -hmm. to be there when a customer turns process optimization for the first time, just to see their reaction to what's actually happening with their workflows. And with change, one of the things that you see a lot of is there's a whole bunch of changes that get opened and then they just like bypass a thousand steps and go directly to closed or mm -hmm. like, or just, or just sitting out there and then they, they, they die. And it's like, why is that even happening? So, ah, well, we, we just decided not to do that one. Well then, but somebody looked at it the first time and anybody that looked at it the first time and then you did nothing on it, that person wasted time. Like, so let's look at those types of changes that are do, taking that route, seeing how they're categorized, who they're being opened by, who they're being assigned to, and see if there's a way that we can improve that, those, those, those ones that are kind of being created and never done anything with. Because if we can get rid of those or make them more self-service or whatever they might be, you're going to save yourself a heck of a lot of time. Um, and we're just having a conversation the other day to change gears. Who would like it? We, he saw process optimization the first time and he said, man, I would love to apply this to my laptop reckon, uh, uh, reclamation process. Mm -hmm. Like from a, from just from a governance perspective, right? It's like, hey, that process of like, hey, we issued this piece of hardware or this laptop to somebody managing the life cycle. And then when it comes time to reclaim that laptop, there's so much time spent there. There's so many bottlenecks in that reclamation stage for him that he wanted to shine a light on and see how he can improve getting that the, the, the laptop back. I mean, that's one that I, I couldn't believe how excited somebody was getting about the fact that they could, <laughs> they could x-ray that part of the workflow, but it was super exciting to them. Those are two um, that jump out. Obviously, on the incident side of the house, the there's like four or five common things. We've talked about some of them already, that you've got your multi-hop issues. That's one. Um, the who's holding onto the tickets the longest is another one that we see a lot. The um, reopened work, so looking at the the tickets that come in that get closed and then have to be reopened, that's a quality issue. I had one customer the other day, actually, we were looking at one of their maps for the first time, and they had a whole slew of um, tickets that were just going from new to closed um, and then reopened, like work that slipped through the crack, cracks type of mm. stuff. Um, and I, I asked them why there were so many that were going that could go from new to closed. How were they, they getting closed? It, it, that's so. What when you ask the question, they say, "Well, you know what happens a lot of times is I have somebody who answers the phone, um, and then they just they they solve the problem right on the phone, maybe by sending a knowledge article or pointing them in the right direction, and then they close the ticket." And I said, "I said that doesn't seem like." To me, those seems like self-service options. And they said, yeah, essentially, they're just basically they're becoming human search engines. Um, and it's like, we don't need them to be human search engines. I'd rather them be solving harder problems for those things that people should be using knowledge articles or maybe the virtual agent. So it, those were good examples of, or that's a good example of where we can see that. Look at what the, the types of tickets that are going that route. And then if create a knowledge article, or if we do have a knowledge or knowledge article or self-service option, make sure that we promote it a little bit better inside of the organization yeah. uh, to start knocking some of those off. So just a, a bunch of different examples. I don't know if that's where you wanted to go, but that's where I was. Yeah, no, I, I think that's good. I think that's good. And I think it illustrates something too, right? And that is 
uh, it creates human interaction, right? Because if you've got a process where tickets are being held for a long period of time, they're kind of hitting a, a particular stage and they're being held by, you know, these agents are, are doing it. You can go down and you can sit down and talk to them say like, why are you holding these tickets? We've got, you know, and you have an opportunity to create dialogue and they say, well, because da, 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 da. It's like, oh, okay. We didn't really contemplate that when we built this workflow in the first place, but that makes so much sense, you know? And, you know, like you said, you sat down with them and said, so why do these close automatically? Because, so it creates conversation. It allows you to basically dig into the process, sit down with people um, and say, okay, how is this happening? And, and this seems like a really, so, so if I said, hey, um, you're holding this, these tickets are taking a long time, like Mike's pr previous example, it's because you're logging into another system and, and checking things and checking, verifying something. If we were able to pull that data indirectly, how long would it take you to approve a ticket? And they would say, well, I wouldn't even have to approve them, right? Because if the information comes in verifying the authenticity of something and that's come through and we trust that other system, then that can just go right to the next stage because that's all I'm doing is, you know, going through and checking authenticity of something, right? So that's makes, your spot. makes a lot it's, of sense. It's interesting. Oh, your spot. It's actually, that's something that's often gets asked is kind of, when you show somebody how easy this this is to set up and turn on, right? That like literally, I can sit down with a customer and have a visualized process map in less than ten minutes with them, uh, right? To to show it. So it's like, well, where is the work in this? Well, the work is in interpreting the map. That's that's yeah. really what it's it's it. Like I and I can't do that. Like that's the part where it's like this is a one of my colleagues likes to call it a, a two to tango type of solution. Turning it on and setting it up, that's something that pretty much anybody can do. Interpreting the map requires you to know a little bit about the process. That's, that's, it requires you to know how your organization works um, there and kind of then saying, okay, this is how we do things and this is what the map is telling me and this is how we think we can improve upon that. That's, that dialogue is a very important piece of the conversation um, and it requires some knowledge of the process to, to engage in that dialogue. Well, it's, it's, it's like what I tell my staff, context is king, right? Um, you can get the map, but you got to understand the context of it, right? And the only way you can do that is kind of start digging into different parts and, and talking to people, figuring out what's happening. Um, and then when you have that context, then you can basically say, okay, now we can make these improvements. So, yep. so okay, so that le actually, I mean, that's a nice segue, right? So thank you, you're, you're like the straight man today. Um, <laughs> how, how So how do customers get started, right? I mean, they can go over to Nick, can, I mean, can they flip a switch and and just now start looking at maps and figure it out? Or is there jumpstart programs or, um, I mean, obviously they can work with partners like us to help do that. So how do, how do you think that the best way, so if somebody's listening to this right now going, you know what, I think I need to go turn on process um, optimization. Um, what, 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 do you, what do you suggest for them to get started? Sure, so the answer to your question is, uh, if they're thinking I need to go turn on process optimization, they should go turn on process optimization, right? So that's that's one. And they can go turn on the plugin in the sub-production environment and start mining the subset of data. Uh, so they can. that's one way to get started. Now, um, I'm going to tell there's really two different ways to answer the question. Uh, there's the, hey, I just want to start seeing the value that this could provide for me and how do I get started? In that sense, 
what I would recommend that they do is they go out and there's a now learning course for process optimization. It's about 90 minutes self-paced on the now learning site. It's called process optimization essentials. I would run through that really, really quickly um, and then turn on the plugins. We also have, um, I host a biweekly process optimization academy um, in which it's kind of like we talk about a topic kind of like this for a little while. And then we open it up to an office hours type session. We've done about nine of those now and they're all recorded mm -hmm. and posted on the community site. So that's another good place to give you some info. So do I call you Professor uh, Grady now? I mean, no, no, you certainly don't. You certainly don't. A doctor, please. Um, doctor. Well, next time you better show up in like a tweed jacket or something. So, I, I, Yeah. Um, the So those are great resources to get started. But that's going to get you to a place where, hey, you, if somebody has a little bit of platform knowledge, can create a map and start understanding what it's telling you, where some of the insights are. Anybody that knows a little bit about ServiceNow can do that. That's one way to get started. Now, after you do that and you get people excited in your organization about, hey, this is the, this thing can help, you have to start, if you're thinking about turning this into a more programmatic type of exercise, it's a little bit bigger than me just turning it on for one process mm -hmm. and looking at it. Um, there's a couple of different phases to that. One, like everything that you want to do at scale, you're going to want to have some sort of executive level sponsorship, somebody that sees the value of process optimization and says, yes, this is something that we want to do to drive it forward. Uh, we're lucky at ServiceNow that our chief analytics officer or SVP of analytics, Vijay Kotu, he is a huge believer in process mining and has kind of championed the program here at ServiceNow and, and drove it forward. Uh, so you, you need some executive level sponsorship. Then it helps to um, do a little bit of education, like create some vehicle to explain to people and get people in the organization excited about the value of process mining in general and what it can do in terms of improving the speed and productivity of the different workflows inside of the organization. So you do a little bit of education. You find out which, I'll say, process owners or which stakeholders in the organization get excited by that. Then teach them a little bit like a level two type of training them like hey here's here's how you use this thing and then i like to say you set up some mining sprints here at service now we we did those first couple of phases and then for we started with like 10 processes and we set up a two-week mining sprint with them where we're like hey we configured the model ran it gave them some time to evaluate and come up with some findings and then present their findings back to us in terms of mm -hmm. here's three things that we found that are problems with our process based on using this and now let's go and create a continual improvement initiative and improve upon those. Um, and then that starts the cycle, right? You, you've kind of, so it's get some excitement, do a little bit of training, find some actual tangible results that you act on and then repeat an, an organization. So there's the getting started doing it is one little thing. And then when you want to start scaling it out, you need to have a little bit of a programmatic approach uh, to this. I've seen a lot of customers start thinking about including this in their process improvement program. Or one of the questions we typically ask customers is, hey, what's your cadence for doing process reviews? Is it bi-weekly? Is it monthly? Is it quarterly? This is now something that you should include in that as one of those tools um, to, to kind of run that meeting or facilitate that meeting. I've seen a larger customer. They actually have a process mining center of excellence in which this is a service that they provide their lines of business. So it's the line of business says, hey, could you do a little bit of digging on my process? They do some digging from a, an analytics perspective and come back and have that dialogue that we talked about with them once they've found a few things in the data saying, hey, we're seeing these things, they don't look right. Can you help me understand a little bit? Or let's talk about what, what might be causing those. So 
I, I kind of gave you a bunch of different uh, things that I see in that area in terms of getting started. I hope that uh, yeah, addresses the, the question. Well, this, this has been awesome. Um, I, I, I geek out a little bit on this because this is kind of <laughs> like one of my passions. Like process automation is like, I started a company uh, in early 2000s around runbook automation, which is now kind of our, uh, uh, our, our PA now is kind of turned into that. I sold it to BMC, but you know, this is kind of a big passion of mine for the last 20 years is like, how do we, because in the end, automation is the real big driver here, right? And you need all these other systems. You need to monitor, you need the data, you need to work well, you need to develop, but in the end process automation is really what's going to drive this. So, um, Dan, uh, again, your product manager for um, in process in in platform process mining at, at um, ServiceNow. So um, you put out a lot, you put out a lot of thought leadership on this. You kind of already mentioned it. So how can people find more information like about what you're talking about? So you got the academy. I know you do some blogging. Yeah, uh, we'll put all that in the show notes so people can basically click on that and join in. Uh, anything else we should highlight of, of things that you guys? No, doing? I mean those are so we'll put the links in there. But they're on the ServiceNow community. There is a product hub for process optimization. I would say you can get to it from the main page or just search up ServiceNow process optimization. It'll take you there. There's an FAQ on that page that has basically acts as like an index for a ton of content that we have out there. All the different enablement material, the blogs that you mentioned. Um, always there. And then, you know, for those that are interested and they're listening, if they want to follow me on Twitter, it's at Tweet Grady or on LinkedIn, Dane Grady, ServiceNow, you'll be able to find me. I'm constantly um, sharing content that we're producing uh, via those channels around in-platform process mining or process optimization. Awesome. Well, we'll make, I'll make sure our producer, Jenna, gets everything in there. So you will... Uh... You will not be hard to find after we get done with this. So, <laughs> yeah. Dan, thanks for being on the podcast. This has been thanks for having me. Love hugely it. educational for me, really enlightening. Um, I, like I said, I kind of geek out on this stuff, and I'm sure the audience is going to find it too. So, thanks for thanks for coming on. No, happy to be here. I'll, I'll leave you with one last thing. It's a, a Maya Angelou quote that aligns to this podcast. I would say, and uh, and also process optimization. It's uh, do the best you can until you know better. And then you know better. So hopefully now people know a little bit more about process optimization or in-platform process mining. They understand how it can help them do a little bit better and they'll go out and start doing better. Well, that's an awesome quote. And I'm uh, uh, I'm honored that you've said it in the context of our podcast. So that's a first too. So we're going to have to start doing a poet laureate uh, ending for all our podcasts now. So Dan, thanks a lot. Appreciate it. And uh, we'll catch up soon. All right. Thanks, Sean. Bye.